Americans get a primetime look at the horror that was the attack on our capital, the attack on our Constitution, and our democracy. Donald Trump was at the center of this conspiracy. Separately, gripping testimony as well on America's gun epidemic. I know we'll never forget what I saw that day. And gas prices up, stocks down, as Americans sour on the economy. I'm Paul Brandis. You're listening to West Wing Reports from Washington. It's Friday, June 10th. It seemed like the opening arguments in a trial, and make no mistake, the accused is the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. In the first night of what will be several weeks of hearings, the bipartisan congressional committee investigating the January 6th, 2021 attack on the Capitol pulled no punches in accusing Trump of instigating the assault. One of the Republicans on the committee is Wyoming Congresswoman Liz Cheney. Over a series of hearings in the coming weeks, you will hear testimony live and on video from more than half a dozen former White House staff in the Trump administration, all of whom were in the West Wing of the White House on January 6th. You will hear testimony that, quote, The president did not really want to put anything out calling off the riot or asking his supporters to leave. You will hear that President Trump was yelling and, quote, really angry at advisors who told him he needed to be doing something more. And aware of the rioters' chance to hang Mike Pence, the president responded with this sentiment, quote, maybe our supporters have the right idea. Mike Pence, quote, deserves it. The committee also played some gruesome video from that horrible day, some of it never seen before. It showed law enforcement officers being attacked. More than 140 were injured that day, attacked by a mob that was urged to march to the Capitol by a president who claimed to love both the Constitution and law and order. What's interesting here is that with the exception of Fox News, Thursday's hearings were on every news channel in the country, not just cable news, but ABC, CBS, and NBC, even Fox affiliates around the country carried it. Congressman Benny Thompson of Mississippi is the committee's chairman and says Trump had the right to challenge the election result, but went too far and did so deliberately, brazenly, and illegally. Donald Trump had his days in court to challenge the results. He was within his rights to seek those judgments. In the United States, law-abiding citizens have those tools for pursuing justice. He lost in the courts, just as he did at the ballot box. And in this country, that's the end of the line. But for Donald Trump, that was only the beginning of what became a sprawling, multi-step conspiracy aimed at overturning the presidential election, aimed at throwing out the votes of millions of Americans, your votes, your voice in our democracy, and replacing the will of the American people with his will to remain in power 
after his term ended. Donald Trump was at the center of this conspiracy. And ultimately, Donald Trump, the President of the United States, spurred a mob of domestic enemies of the Constitution to march down the Capitol and subvert American democracy. Any legal jargon you hear about seditious conspiracy, obstruction of an official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud the United States boils down to this. January 6th was the culmination of an attempted coup, a brazen attempt, as one rioter put it shortly after January 6th, to overthrow the government. The violence was no accident. It represented Trump's last stand, most desperate chance to halt the transfer of power. The net result of all of this is that millions of Americans were reminded in vivid and horrible detail of what was the worst attack on American democracy in more than two centuries. Then it was the British. Now it was Americans loyal not to the Constitution, but to Trump. Cheney, in a CBS interview last weekend, calls their support and that of many Republicans nothing less than a cult. We have too many people now in the Republican Party who are not taking their responsibility seriously and who have pledged their allegiance and loyalty to Donald Trump. I mean, it is fundamentally antithetical. It is, it is contrary to everything conservatives believe to embrace a personality cult. And yet, that is what so many in my party are doing today. Is the Republican Party a personality cult? I think that large segments of it have certainly become that. A cult? Yeah. I mean, I think there is absolutely a cult of personality around Donald Trump. And I think that, you know, the majority of Republicans across the country don't want to see uh, our, our system unravel. They, they understand how important it is to protect and defend the Constitution. Among those testifying was a Capitol Police officer, Caroline Edwards, who suffered a brain injury that day. Video was shown of the five-foot-four woman trying to hold back the mob before being pushed to the ground. Edwards, 31 years old, said she's an American and a patriotic one at that. I was called a lot of things on January 6, 2021, and the days thereafter. I was called Nancy Pelosi's dog, called incompetent, called a hero, and a villain. I was called a traitor to my country, my oath, and my constitution. In actuality, I was none of those things. I was an American standing face to face with other Americans, asking myself how many times, many, many times, how we had gotten here. I had been called names before, but never had my patriotism or duty been called into question. I, who got up every day, no matter how early the hour or how late I got in the night before, to put on my uniform and to protect America's symbol of democracy. I, who spent countless hours in the baking sun and freezing snow to make sure that America's elected officials were able to do their job. I, whose literal blood, sweat, and tears were shed that day defending the building that I spent countless holidays and weekends working in. Not unlike the Watergate hearings half a century ago that 
electrified the country. This is powerful stuff and reinforces the shock, the shame that this could happen in our country. Several weeks of hearings are ahead with detailed evidence of what happened and who's to blame. As I mentioned, Fox News did not carry the insurrection hearings. One typical comment on that channel came from Lara Trump, the former president's daughter-in-law. This is the biggest scam on Thursday perpetrated, per perpetrated on the American people since the Russia collusion hoax. This is total nonsense that you're going to see on Thursday. And the problem is they know it. The Democrats know people do not care about this. They're desperately trying to get people to buy into this. But the problem is people are more concerned, Sean, with the super high gas prices. Meantime, as all of this plays out, speculation is mounting that Donald Trump himself, who calls all this a hoax, has shown no remorse over what happened on January the 6th and continues to spread the so-called big lie about the election, may announce that he's running for president again. Virtually all vessels traveling in the U.S. have to be American-built, owned, and crewed. That's thanks to the Jones Act, which is the bedrock of the American maritime industry. On the American Maritime Podcast, we cover the topics that matter most to the 650,000 men and women of American maritime, while also being accessible for the average listener to learn about this industry. Every episode features a new guest, including congressional leaders, senior military officials, leading policy analysts, and other experts. Come aboard and listen wherever you get your podcasts or watch on the American Maritime Partnership's YouTube channel. Also on Capitol Hill, what to do about guns. It has been three weeks now since the massacre at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. 19 children, two teachers murdered. Their killer, an 18-year-old man who was easily able to buy an AR-15. Dr. Roy Guerrero is a pediatrician from Uvalde. In fact, he went to the same school, Robb Elementary, when he was a boy. But what I did find was something no prayer will ever relieve. Two children whose bodies had been pulverized by bullets fired at them, decapitated, whose flesh had been ripped apart, that the only clue at their identities was a blood-splattered cartoon clothes still clinging to them, clinging for life and finding none. I could only hope these two bodies were a tragic exception to the list of survivors. But as I waited there with my fellow Uvalde doctors, nurses, first responders, and hospital staff for other casualties we hoped to save, they never arrived. All that remained was the bodies of 17 more children and the two teachers who cared for them, who dedicated their careers to nurturing and respecting the awesome potential of every single one, just as we doctors do. One child who survived the unthinkable that day, fourth grader Mia Cirillo, who testified by video from Uvalde. Shot my teacher and told my teacher goodnight and shot her in the head. Shot my teacher and told my teacher goodnight and shot her in the head, Mia said. And then he shot some of my classmates and the whiteboard. And then he shot some of my classmates and shot the whiteboard, she added. When I went to the barracks, uh, 
He shot my friend that was next to me. When I went to the backpacks, Mia continued, he shot my friend that was next to me. She feared she would be next. She had the presence of mind in the middle of this unimaginable terror, the presence of mind to smear blood from a corpse on her own body and then play dead. This is a 10-year-old girl. 10. Mia later found her dead teacher's cell phone and called for help. The cops, as you've no doubt heard, were right outside, but they did not come in. Asked if she felt safe at school, Mia could only shake her head, no, no. The house will be in order. The net result of this and other wrenching testimony, including from relatives of those shot last month at a grocery store in Buffalo, was the passage by the House of legislation aimed at several things, including raising the legal age to buy certain semi-automatic weapons from 18 to 21, also new regulations on the sale of large-scale magazines, so-called bump stocks, and ghost guns. But, and if you'll pardon the pun, the Senate will almost certainly shoot these things down. Republicans in that divided 50-50 chamber will not go along. The House separately passed a so-called red flag bill that will allow a judge to take firearms away from a person who poses an imminent danger to themselves or others. This is seen as having a better chance in the Senate, but we'll see. Those are the big things this week, both stories, the attack on our democracy and the debate over guns have one sad thing in common. Americans are a deeply divided people, angry, and as we've seen at times, violent. We're living in historic and frankly, unsettling times. I did want to mention a few other things this week. It has been another down week on Wall Street. Stocks still falling as recession fears rise. Also rising gas prices. AAA says the average price of regular nationwide, now $4.98 a gallon as of Friday. That's up 61 cents in just a month. Food prices continue to rise as well. A Wall Street Journal survey shows 83% of Americans are worried about the economy, calling it either poor or not so good. And voters in California, which often set the trends for the nation, have sent Democrats a message on crime. Voters recalled a progressive prosecutor in San Francisco and a former Republican-turned-Democrat who ran on a get-tough-on-crime platform has advanced to a runoff in the mayor's race in Los Angeles. Finally, some COVID news. The White House has unveiled a plan to vaccinate children below age 5 as early as June 20th, pending final OK by the FDA. COVID deaths, meanwhile, look to be on the rise again. They were about 250 a day in late May, but the rolling seven-day average has more than doubled since then, now about 555 a day, according to Johns Hopkins University. Now let's hear about another Evergreen podcast, one I know you'll enjoy. 
I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. Time now to open up the West Wing Report's archives and see what made history this week in the past. 1807, Thomas Jefferson received a subpoena to testify before Congress in the treason trial of his former vice president, Aaron Burr. The president would tell lawmakers that Burr tried to split several states from the Union and create an independent nation in the center of North America and make himself its ruler. Burr was eventually acquitted. 1967, Lyndon Johnson nominated Thurgood Marshall to be the first black justice on the Supreme Court. And 1971, the Pentagon Papers, A Secret History of the Vietnam War, were published infuriating President Nixon. Even though they dealt with the pre-Nixon period, the president tried to stop their publication, hoping to deter anyone from revealing secrets about his own administration. Want more history? Check out my books on Amazon. I'll sign them for you, too. Just shoot me an email, pbrandis at evergreenpodcasts.com. And need a speaker for your event? I do that, too. Current events, economics, analysis, and history. I connect the dots and would love to hear from you. I like to end each week with a quote, something you might find thoughtful. And for that, we return to Liz Cheney, one of the few Republicans with the courage and spine to stand up to Donald Trump. She spoke the other day on CBS. The threat, and it's an ongoing threat. You know, we are not in a situation where uh, former President Trump uh, has expressed any sense of remorse about what happened. Uh, we are, in fact, in a situation where he continues to use even more extreme language, frankly, than the language that caused the attack. Uh, and so people must pay attention. People must watch and, and they must understand how easily our democratic system uh, can, can unravel if we don't defend it. That's all for this week. West Wing Reports is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to C-SPAN and CBS for the audio clips. Our producer, sound designer, and engineer, Noah Fouts. Executive producers, Michael DeAloya and Gerardo Orlando. I'm Paul Brandis in Washington. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.